Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. This time, a show for summer. We all used to spend a lot more time outside, and it's still one of the best ways to combat stress, particularly for women. We are fully engaged with our sensory and perceptual systems, you know, in ways that make us feel alive and vital and healthy rather than being buffeted around by these expectations of how women are supposed to behave or look. Coming up, how nature and being outside can help us manage life and work. But first, have you thought lately about marketing yourself? A lot of women are not keen self-promoters and I count myself among them. But every decision about you and your opportunities is made in a room you're not in, which begs the question... Can you do anything about the conversation in that room? Joanna Bloor, and she's a former guest on the show, believes you can. And it starts with knowing how to talk about who you are and why you're important. Joanna is on a mission to get us to talk about ourselves in a new way. Uncover your unique value, then learn how to share it with others. So in that room, they're telling your story and articulating your value the way you want. Organizations including Microsoft, EY, 21st Century Fox and Cartier have brought Joanna in to talk to employees from entry level to executive with remarkable results. Go to joannablaw.com and check out her services page to find out more. That's J-O-A-N-N-A-B-L-O-O-R.com. Reference the broad experience and receive 10% off a workshop or individual coaching. I am an urban person. I grew up in a city. I moved to another city for college. I worked in London for a few years. And then I moved to New York, the ultimate metropolis. And I thought I'd always live in a city. I couldn't imagine life otherwise. There's so much to do, so much creative energy, so many jobs. But in recent years, big city living has begun to feel old. Or maybe it's just me. But increasingly, I find the noise and the crowds and the jostling on the subway just too much. And I've noticed something else. The more time I spend outside, in nature, the calmer I feel. Work stress or stress in general seems to bother me less when I'm looking at a lake or a field or a mountain. A couple of months ago, I came across a book by science writer Florence Williams. It's called The Nature Fix, and its subtitle is Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. Of course, I picked it up. Florence is a contributing editor to Outside Magazine, and she also hosts the Outside Podcast. She's done a lot of reporting and research for this book. Among many other things, she found women can benefit more than men from spending time outside in a natural setting. 
I started by asking her why she tackled this subject in the first place. What were some of the things that prompted you to write this book, The Nature Fix, that I enjoyed so much? Oh, thanks, Ashley. It, well, it really, I guess, began with my personal journey. Um, I spent two decades living in the Rocky Mountains, you know, really my entire adult life. And then my husband took a job in Washington, D.C., and we had to move. And it was really a hard adjustment for me to go, you know, from being so nature connected, you know, almost on an hourly basis to living in the middle of the city, you know, and experiencing the noise and the sort of monochromatic cityscape, the sort of busyness and the urban built environment. Uh, and I, I, I noticed, you know, some changes in my own kind of emotional state, in my psychological state, uh, and that word's so good, you know, more anxiety, certainly wasn't sleeping so well. Yeah, I was depressed. I mean, some of that is just transition, you know, from that time of life. But but I think also I just started thinking about how the environment affects our emotional states. And right around this time, Outside gave her an assignment to go to Japan and write about forest bathing, this practice where overworked city types immerse themselves in nature. Stressed out urbanites go to the woods, you know, for 15 or 20 minutes and just kind of practice being mindful in the woods and kind of de-stressing. And it's it's something that's being really promoted by the government in Japan, you know, as a way to sort of um, help their workers who are so, you know, the, the most overworked population in the world. Basically, they work the longest hours and they're really stressed out. There's high rates of depression and suicide. And at the same time, researchers are studying what's happening to these people's physiology after 15 or 20 minutes in the woods. And so I, so I went to Japan. Uh, I saw that, you know, people's blood pressures were dropping, their heart rates were changing, their, their stress hormones were changing, and that there really was science behind this. And so I, I think that's really what launched the book. I just felt like there's enough to write about. And I'm personally interested in what the science has to say about, you know, this idea of nature deficit disorder. Nature deficit disorder. A lot of us have it. Most of us live and work in urban environments. In the US in particular, you can drive from home to office to supermarket and back home without even walking a block. And many of our jobs are screen-based and sedentary. You know, it seems like mentally and cognitively, when we're kind of inside responding to emails all the time, staring at screens, you know, being kind of reactive to the massive amounts of information coming to us, that it creates a certain amount of fatigue, cognitive fatigue. And that translates into kind of emotional fatigue and a little bit of strain and grumpiness. And all this may be happening on a pretty subconscious level. But it looks like when we are able to kind of take a break, go outside, get a little bit of just relief and a little bit of sensory stimulation, uh, that it can really reboot us. It can reboot us cognitively. Studies show that that after short breaks, looking at, for example, grass and trees, um, we come back to the tasks at hand fresher. Uh, our working memory is a little bit better. Our sort of cognitive processing is a little bit faster after we get that break. And so I think that's a great lesson, you know, that we need to to know that by taking a break, we're not just taking ourselves out of productivity, that we're actually making ourselves more productive when we go back. Yeah, I think that's the hard one for people to, at least for workaholics or type A personalities who abound in cities to get their heads around, right, that you're not slacking off, you're actually helping yourself to be more efficient at work. 
Exactly. And you see enlightened companies really starting to understand this and embrace it. Uh, you know, a lot of the high tech companies in Silicon Valley, they now have, you know, walking trails on the roof. They have roof gardens. Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook takes walking meetings. So I think, you know, in some parts of the workspace, there's this kind of, you know, understanding <laughs> that, that, yes, this is actually good for productivity. But I think it is it is hard for individuals to kind of know to take that break. And we don't pay a lot of attention to how we feel after we take a break. And that's one of the points that I really make in the book is that we need to pay attention to how we feel in these different environments, kind of tune in a little bit more. Um, Because there's so much individual variation, too, when people go outside. I mean, some people love looking at the ocean and some people hate looking at the ocean and feel sort of threatened by it. And we just don't necessarily tend to pay attention to sort of where and how we feel best. And I think that that's a really lost opportunity. Yeah, I I want to talk more about the what we can do about this for our, for ourselves and our own health. I mean, some of us are lucky enough to be able to spend time outside of cities when we live in cities. I mean, most every summer that I've been living in the US, I've gone to a lake in Pennsylvania most weekends of the summer. And one thing I have noticed, especially in recent years, so it's definitely for me related to getting older, is that I'll go on Friday night and my head will be full of the things that I didn't finish during the week. I am going to get those things done at the weekend. You know, when I'm there, I'll, I'll, you know, there'll be no email coming in. Great time to finish off all that work. When I get there or when I wake up on Saturday morning and I'm in this incredibly quiet atmosphere and I can see the water and I can hear birds and it's so peaceful, I feel entirely different about my work. Suddenly, it just doesn't seem as important anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't have the same power over me that it did on Friday night when I just spent the entire week working. Exactly. Exactly. And the studies really back that up. You know, when when we experience natural beauty, specifically sort of awe in the emotion of awe, which has typically been an understudied emotion, but is now really being looked at as kind of one of the neglected positive emotions that we could learn something from. What they're finding is that it really helps slow our perception of time when we experience natural beauty, we suddenly feel less stressed out. We feel like we have more time, you know, to solve these work problems. Maybe they don't become as important. Our own personal problems also recede, and we tend to feel more connected to other people, which I think is really interesting. So, you know, there's this way that being in nature in some ways makes us more fit for civilization because it does make us more community-minded, makes us feel more connected to each other. And also can take us out of what are sometimes debilitating, you know, personal sort of playbacks of our own issues and problems. And and it gives us greater perspective. Who wouldn't want that? My show focuses on women's experiences in life, but particularly at work. What does your work-life balance feel like? Or what did it feel like when you decided to write the book? I mean, did it change when you moved to DC or, or not particularly? Was it the same same set of things, you were just in different circumstances? Yeah, that's a good question. I I would say I'm still trying to get a handle (laughs) on how to have a balanced work life situation. Um, And the part of that is I have two kids. So and I, you know, full time job. And so it's always a struggle, I think, to balance uh, and to feel balanced. uh, And and also have some, you know, personal time and some exercise time and, and all that. So it's something I struggle with. And when I moved to D.C., I would say it just all felt a little more intense. I mean, D.C. is it's just a hyper urban environment. It takes longer to get anywhere. You know, the traffic is horrible. Um, My kids were going to school kind of in a different part of town. And, you know, I would have to 
spend a fair amount of time driving them around in traffic uh, and, and also, you know, in an unfamiliar geography. So, so I would end up in these traffic circles, you know, being cut off by very impatient commuters and I would just start cursing and crying <laughs> and feeling overwhelmed. I think my kids were like, oh my God, mom, maybe we should go to school a little closer. You know, so we did and we adjusted that. Now the kids go to neighborhood schools. You know, I had to sort of figure that out. But I think anytime you move, you know, it's kind of demanding, right? Because you have to find new everything, new grocery stores, new eye doctors, new pediatricians. It's it's all just like that. your workload, I think, gets really intense. Plus, the D.C. work culture itself is more intense. She says Boulder, where they had been living, it attracts people who are seeking a more balanced lifestyle. They're less career-driven, more lifestyle-driven. They're into yoga, meditation, hiking and biking, eating right – she says D.C. is full of the best and the brightest, but it just felt so different. Not only were there a lot more people, but there were a lot fewer trees. And it didn't help that their house was right under the flight path. In a minute, we talk about how being outside can help women in particular. And Florence comes to terms with her new surroundings. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I knew Florence had done her own reporting on how women benefit from being outdoors. In a recent issue of Outside that was dedicated to w women, really, you have this great piece on Girl Scouts. And, that it, and it was about you, you shadowed a whole group of Girl Scouts who were out in the wilderness and they were sort of achieving feats outdoors. And the, what, I, what I took away from it was it was this idea of being outdoors in a group, helping each other, that, that took the focus away from some of the things that can kind of bedevil teenage girls, like self-consciousness and screens and meanness from other, other people, social media, all that. It was so interesting. I mean, they're really young, but, but all that stuff, that bad stuff can really start women on the road to feeling less than and as if their looks are the most important thing about them. Uh, do, I mean, do you think grown women can experience some of that, can learn some of the same, same things that those young girls learn from being outside for a sort of concentrated period of time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I really do. There have some, been some really interesting studies looking at, for example, self-esteem, leadership, confidence, uh, and time outside. And we know, for example, REI, you know, is in the middle of this campaign called Force of Nature. And they've done some internal studies as well, or some surveys. And what it really shows is that the more time women spent outside as girls, kind of having adventures, you know, and doing sports outside, the more confidence they have as adults, and the more they experience kind of gender equity, for example, in their careers, uh, the more confidence they have, the more leadership. And I think that that definitely translates, um, can translate into time outside for women, you know, anytime that we're using our bodies, and enjoying the strength, you know, and the skills 
and the coordination of our muscles, we are not thinking so much about how we look. We're thinking about how our bodies work. And I think that that's a really important jump for women to make because society just tells us that our looks are so important. And it's hard, you know, I mean, as girls, I think we're especially vulnerable to that. But as grown women, we are too. You know, those messages really don't cease, sadly. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of the dominant message that, you know, the media still gives us. And yet, I think when we're outside, there are just there are no mirrors. We're with friends. We're in a more supportive, potentially social environment. We are fully engaged with our sensory and perceptual systems, you know, in ways that make us feel alive and vital and healthy, rather than you know just kind of being buffeted around by these you know more social and perceptual expectations of how women are supposed to behave or look. And actually, when you were talking, that reminded me that obviously there will be some women possibly listening to this who, for whatever reason, can't be active outside, right? Whether it's through illness or disability, they they can't enjoy their bodies the way many of us can because we, our bodies work for us. What do we know about being outside for people who don't have full use of their limbs, for instance? I mean, are the benefits of nature still there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people who can't fully, you know, exercise or or be active in nature still have their sensory systems, right, largely intact. So they're still able to smell, you know, the wonderful smells of springtime, um, or, you know, drink in the visuals of a sunset, experience, you know, the night sky, or the changing phases of the moon. So so there's still a full sensory engagement, even if it's not necessarily um, on an aerobic level. And that's okay. Um, I mean, exercising in nature is one thing, but but sitting in nature, connecting to nature, you know, is, is fully another and, and incredibly valuable. I've been contacted by a number of people, you know, since I wrote this book, many of whom share with me that they're not able to sort of fully run a river or climb a mountain, but they still find nature to be tremendously healing, tremendously powerful, and they're still able to find that nature connection. And I think, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Mm, no, definitely. And do you, in any of your work, I mean, this didn't really come out in the book, but the book was written for everyone. But I, again, because my emphasis is on women, do you think that there, do you think there's any difference in the ways in which men and women benefit from nature? I mean, I think women, um, you know, traditionally, if you look at all the statistics, women are women who work full time and have families are still doing more. Um, I don't know if this applies to you, but on the home front than the male partner. And I wonder if you think women can possible women may be cutting themselves off from nature more than guys just because they they feel more time strapped yes i've given quite a bit of thought to this question of how men and women may experience nature differently and also how they may benefit from it differentially and i i would say that there are some really interesting differences yes we know that women are more stressed out and more depressed than their male counterparts Part of that is because we are pulled in so many different directions domestically and, you know, in our in our work lives. We're taking care of, you know, different generations, older parents. We're taking care of kids. We are sometimes cut off from the kind of community and, and social and family support, you know, that women used to get when we lived closer to families and in clan groups and, you know, in kinships and so on. So, so we know that women, for example, in the United States, women are on antidepressants at a rate of one out of four, 
women in middle age. And I think that's a shocking statistic and um, kind of speaks to the problem. We also know that girls tend to be more depressed than boys. They're at higher risk for suicide. I'm sorry to report that the fastest growing rate of suicides are in young is is in young girls ages 10 to 14, which is I think shocking and mind-blowing. You know, and part of that is is that women have this burden of expectations and 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 society expects them to look and behave a certain way. And now, you know, with with Instagram and the kind of um, you know, internet culture, it's all just become I think harder to be a girl in some ways. But it's always been hard. But we also know that women when they do go outside may experience bigger benefits. And and maybe that's because they're more stressed when they start. But there have been studies showing that um, women who live closer to green space actually experience greater benefits in terms of their mortality, in terms of their stress cortisol regulation than men do. So when women can access nature and can experience it, they actually may be better helped. And there's some really interesting studies looking at kids, for example, even in forest kindergartens. And I, I really like the study. I think it's really interesting. In conventional sort of urban playgrounds, boys tend to run around more than girls do. You know, the girls kind of sit and play their games. The boys run around and do kind of sporty stuff. But in the forest schools, where both genders are outside most of the day, the girls are approaching parity with the boys in terms of physical exercise. So they're also out there jumping across the creeks and climbing the trees and swimming from the ropes. Um, and, and so I love that. We don't really tend to think of nature as being kind of gender neutralizing or equalizing, and it can be. And so I, th- I think it's an important way to look at uh, and also, you know, kind of an, another excuse to, to really make a bigger effort to get girls outside because the benefits are bigger which is fascinating and great to know. But let's face it, if you live far from the wilderness, getting there can be a challenge or enough of a hassle to put you off doing it regularly. So what's a city dweller to do? You were just talking about cities and you now live in a city for most of the year. I live in a city and yes, we can get benefits from going to parks, but I'm speaking to you on a, I think it's going to be 92 degrees today, high humidity, heat warnings, all the rest of it. Oh, being outside, they're not even advising you to be outside. I mean, obviously this is, today is a worst case scenario for me, but for for people who aren't able to regularly get out of a city, what, I mean, what can they do if they seek out a park in a city? Is that something? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reality is, Ashley, that most of us do live in cities, right? Around the world, over 50% of people live in cities. That number is increasing, you know, hugely every year in the United States. It's 70% of us live in cities. So we really have to figure out how to access nature in a city. And I've had to figure that out, you know, as part of my move. And I feel like I've really made a lot of progress in terms of kind of learning how to do it. Yes, we need to get outside. We need to um, think about even how we position our computers, you know, so that we're looking at nearby nature, you know, in the backyard or on the street. We can change the way we walk through cities to take more tree-lined streets. And then I've had to learn how to really be mindful, you know, in those more naturey spaces to get the full benefits. So, for example, if I'm in a city park, I really will try to take my earbuds out (laughs) and I will try not to sort of multitask while I'm in that space. Because the studies, the science really shows that when we are multitasking, when we're talking on the phone, um, we're just not getting the full restorative benefits of being outside. 
Um, we really kind of need to be listening to the bird song, looking for the birds, maybe looking at fractal patterns, which I talk about some in the book. Um, you know, drinking in that color green, which we know also provides some calm to people. But but it, it takes some intention and it takes some effort. And if you're just kind of like blindly, you know, marching through the park on your way to the bus, you know, and thinking about your deadlines, um, you're just not going to get the full the full bang for it. She says as for the summer heat, she goes for walks in D.C. once the sun's gone down. And she also says don't be tempted to stay inside just because it's cold or blustery outside. Studies show we get cognitive benefits from being outdoors even when it's freezing or pouring. We just come back that bit sharper than when we left. And finally, I'm just wondering about this. You know, I'm becoming more and more envious of women who work outdoors, or at least in a natural setting. Do we know anything about whether those women are happier and less stressed than those of us who toil over a computer screen most of the day? <laughs> Great question. I don't think we really do know. I don't think we've really drilled down. We, we do know that women who live closer to green space are healthier. And, and there, that's from studies in the U.S., large-scale epidemiological studies. The Nurses' Health Study in the United States, which is being studied by Harvard, has re- recently come out with some very telling statistics that the nurses who live closer to green space, sort of within a quarter mile of green space, have lower rates of depression. They have lower rates of cardiovascular disease. They have lower rates of cancer, interestingly, lower rates of stress. And they think that this is all sort of mediated by depression, so that, that women who live closer to green space just feel better or happier people. And so, you know, it's important to think about, I think, as we do move around and as we migrate, you know, to different cities or to different neighborhoods, that we really should place a premium on trees, on parks. You know, these things end up really mattering to our daily stress levels and ultimately to our health. Florence Williams, author of The Nature Fix and contributing editor at Outside Magazine. That's the broad experience for this time. I know some of you work outside and it's not always on a pristine mountaintop, and I'd love to hear from you. You can comment on this episode at thebroadexperience.com or on the show's Facebook page, or you can tweet me or email me. The rest of you, go outside. And if you want more podcasts about inspiring women, take a listen to Inflection Point with Lauren Schiller. She talks with women who have faced a challenge, stepped up to create change, and are ready to tell their stories so we can find out how women rise up and how we can apply what they've learned to our own lives. Check it out. Inflection Point with Lauren Schiller. You can find it in iTunes, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. So if you have some extra time this August, listen to Lauren's show, go back through the archives of my show. There are a lot of back episodes for you to enjoy. I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer. I'm Ashley Miltite. I'll see you in September. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 